Well, hello, and welcome back to Dice Bro Talks OD&D. And it's been a while since the last time I was able to uh, put something out. So I think, I believe that I promised to talk about uh, magic swords in original D&D. And I've also been, uh, over the, the holidays, been thinking about how to, to handle this podcast a little bit. And for now, I just only have the time to do maybe little original Dungeons and Dragons podcast bites, or I don't know what I'll call it, maybe bites or dragon bites, <laughs> dungeon bites. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But tonight, uh, uh, or today rather, my goodness, it's already daytime. Ooh. Uh, today, I'll be talking about magical swords. And just quickly, let's see. Magical Swords, Dungeons and Dragons, Volume 2, Monsters and Treasure. Uh, the original three little booklets. And if you go to, excuse me, I've got a little allergy, so I might sniff a little bit uh, or cough or clear my throat. So if you go to page, uh, here we go, 27, Explanations of Magic Items, Swords. Uh, I'll just start there. So among magic weaponry, swords alone possess certain human and superhuman attributes. So they're like they're like their own little characters. Swords have an alignment, a lawful, neutral, or chaotic. And just briefly, lawful, neutral, or chaotic. Uh, I, I am the de minimis alignment uh, referee. So if your character is going to be lawful or neutral or chaotic, uh, look, you, you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, whatever your actions are, however, will have consequences. So if you perform an evil act then, uh, well, you know, guess what? Uh, uh, there are going to be consequences for that in the game. But regardless, back to lawful, neutral, or chaotic, these are, um, in general, forces, law versus chaos. At the end of the world, there's going to be a big battle. Which side will you be on? That's the attitude that I take. And I don't grade uh, anyone on their behaviors. I just... Let them imagine, tell me what they do, and then roll the dice if need be, and tell them what the consequences are. So, and then uh, we have fun that way uh, without getting too involved in trying to get into moral stuff. Anyway, okay, so we got uh, an alignment. Roll a percentage die. I'm just going to roll up a magic sword here. All right, roll a percentage die, dice, to determine alignment. Oh, back up. They have alignment, swords, and... They have an intelligence factor and an egoism rating, as well as an optional determination of a, an origin or purpose. So we've got uh, four different things, alignment, intelligence, egoism, and uh, optional determination of origin or purpose. So I'm going to go ahead and roll a die. I roll a three for, uh, for alignment. Oh, wait, you got to roll percentage dice. So take that three out, grab some percentage dice here. And it is a 75. 75 means that the sword will be neutral. Next, we will... Wait, let's see. Note that the above percentage... And I'm reading straight from the book. Note that the above percentages are reversed for the sword, which has the ability to drain one life energy level. So that's... Ooh, that's kind of like... Uh, it would be... If the... Uh, a lesser chance for a lawful sword to be able to drain life energy levels than it would be for chaotic swords. Okay. 
and if the sword is chaotic, it affects the creatures in parentheses, clerics, pegasi, hippogriffs, rocks, and treants, rather than those stated before, such as trolls and undead. So, uh, yeah, that, well, that makes sense. Trolls and undead are chaos, and clerics, pegasi, hippogriffs, rocks, treants, they're on the side of law, uh, I think. So, okay, character. if a character picks up a sword, which is not the same alignment, damage will be taken as follows. Okay, so, and then the question is, is that every time the character picks up a sword? I think it's just the first time. It's kind of like um, just kind of a an alignment shock. Boom, it's done. Now you can use the sword. Next question is, is the sword intelligent enough to take over your character, or is your character strong enough mentally and physically to uh, make the sword do what, what uh, the character wants it to do. That's an issue that pops up a little bit later on during play. But, okay, so if a non-player character is directed to take up a sword, the damage will be only one half that stated above. So, hey, that makes sense. Uh, it says, for the party is not acting as a free agent. So if, if the player character has a hench person or... Uh, some type of flunky, and he and he tells the flunky, go pick up that sword. And the flunky says, sure, boss. Goes over, picks up the sword. Well, then they're only going to take half damage if their alignment is different. And, so well, that, I mean, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, additionally, the sword might cause the one who took it up to be freed from a spell, change alignment, or otherwise gain powers, which would remove them from the service of their former master. So, yeah, you got a charmed person who... Picks up the magical sword, different alignment, and the charmed person, boom, is suddenly removed from being charmed. Uh, the sword has a high intelligence and a high egoism, and suddenly uh, the, the ramifications of ordering your minion to pick up that sword is that your minion now holds a very powerful and strong and intelligent uh, weapon, uh, that he wants to maybe seek revenge on. Let's say you haven't been the best master, right? Uh, anywho, another option for some, uh, I guess, role play uh, right there. Uh, or th and at the same time, you know, uh, it could just be, look, you're, you're going to have to fight and you may die. Uh, so anyway, options. Page 27 down at the bottom, the last two paragraphs. In addition, if the intelligence slash egoism of the sword, see below, is six or more points above that of the character who picks it up. All right, the sword will control the person, even causing him to become aligned as the sword is, and he will immediately act accordingly. That This could mean, for example, that a hireling of a lawful player character ordered to pick up a neutral sword and taken over by it would deliberately lie about its powers. While if the sword were chaotic, then he would attack the lawful player character. Hmm. All right. Interesting. So the character picks up the sword and the intelligence and slash egoism of the sword is six or more points above that of the character who picks it up. See below. Hmm. We'll definitely make a note of that. After determining the alignment, then we check the intelligence of the sword. So this magic sword is neutral. We're going to check the intelligence. And there are two factors considered under intelligence, mental power and communicative ability. These factors are both determined by a single die roll. Okay, so uh, in a previous episode, I was giving a single die roll for each 
<laughs> communicative ability and intelligence. But it looks like if you've got an intelligence sword uh, and you roll a one through six, there is no mental power endowed and no communicative ability. Um, it can the sword can still endow it, its user with the powers it has, but these have to be discovered by the user. That's the asterisk. So, uh, well, you know what? We didn't even determine what initial powers the sword has. Uh, so, here, let's go back to the magic swords, and there's a whole list of them uh, on page 23. Uh, you roll a percentage die. I rolled a 79. 79 on the sword means it is a sword plus two with the ability to charm persons. All right, that would be a plus two to hit and charm person ability. All right, so now if the sword is intelligent enough, that sword will be able to communicate. Um, <clears throat> Ooh, sip of coffee. That sword will be able to communicate its initial roll for uh, powers. Or not, yeah. Abilities, that is. Uh, no, powers. Okay. <sighs> okay. So its initial powers are its plus two to hit. And it has charm person ability. It's neutral. We're going to roll for intelligence. It, it is a D12. One of the few times I get to roll a D12 in this game. I always like D12s. We should roll them more often. And I rolled a 12. Intelligence of 12. He can... He This sword can communicate... This is going to be a very powerful neutral sword. His intelligence is 12. Uh, he has three primary, and there's a list, primary powers, plus the ability to use languages. And the number of languages, in addition to the language of the alignment of the sword, is determined by a die roll. All right. And there is a little table there. So the alignment of the sword. Now, the way I do alignment languages is there's chaotic and there's uh, law. There's a war between law and chaos. There, uh, the, these concepts come out of the, the uh, chain mail game, which is a, a war game used with miniatures. Uh, you were aligned, you aligned your armies with each side. All right. So if you were neutral, I, for this game, I don't have an alignment language for neutral. You just haven't chosen a side yet. So there, there are no special hand signals. There, you know, uh, there could be a neutral army out there. Uh, and, and if so, uh, and the sword were somehow tied to that neutral country or army or force out there, uh, then perhaps there would be some limited form of of alignment language and how I do alignment languages is that they're military in nature. Uh, you know, little horn blasts and calls and signals and hand signals and flag, you know, waving signal, the signal core of the military would be in charge of the alignment language. 
Uh, and that's how goblins and bugbears and giants and dragons can all communicate when they're all working together in combat uh, as part of a large force. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to kind of unpack with that, and I'll go no further. But at least we know we have a very intelligent sword, the most intelligent sword, in fact. It's got a 12. Uh, it also has the ability to read magic. And it communicates with by telepathy. Uh, so with, uh, with its holder, or with its, um, I guess, user. All right. So let's just determine the, the number of languages real quick. And we're getting on almost 15 minutes here, 13 minutes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take a break, get some coffee, come back and finish up this, uh, this dadgum sword. All right. I've got the coffee and this is turning into a little bit more than just a, a, uh, old D bite or bit or, or whatever burp. <laughs> I feel kind of like, like Booger from Revenge of the Nerds trying to teach OD&D. Anywho, all right, so uh, back to the sword. Now we were going to talk about this neutral sword, plus two, charm person ability. He's got an intelligence of 12, which means he has three primary powers, can read magic, and has telepathy with its user. Uh, the number of languages. Okay, so let's go ahead and roll the percentile dice, and uh, where'd they go? Oh, there they are. All right. Zero five. He speaks oh, one language. All right. One language. And I, what I'm doing is I'm writing this down. I'm going to post this sword on my little uh, blog called uh, Dice Bro. It's at dicebro.blogspot.com. And it's called Dice Bro's Planet of... Adventure, is that what the name of it is? Well, we'll just check it out. Dice Bros. Dicebro.blogspot.com. And it is Dice Bros. Plant blog of Adventure, yes. And so there'll be uh, a wizard van from the 1970s uh, uh, with uh, the Dice Bro uh, dude. Uh, on the side of the van, it's out in space, floating around, kind of like uh, space balls, except this is a wizard van from the 70s instead of a Winnebago. And uh, it's got a little blog of adventure, a little pinkish looking planet down at the bottom. Anyway, trying to be 70s. And so what I'll do is the next post uh, I make after this, after this uh, podcast... Uh, will be the magic neutral sword that has all of these powers. I mean, it's nuts. I've never rolled a sword quite this powerful before. Up oh, there's the there's the dog. So let's just uh, we'll just take a little break here. Uh, or eh, it doesn't matter. Okay, uh, dog's just gonna bark. That's what they do. They protect the house. All right. So he speaks one language. Uh, we'll figure that language out later. Uh, primary powers. Let's go ahead and roll the dice for those. We got three primary powers, and it's percentile dice. Roll three of them. First one is a zero four. Oh, this sword can note shifting walls and rooms, just like a dwarf. Interesting. All right. And rooms. Those are always 
seems like that was a big deal back in the day with dungeons with shifting walls and rooms to to foul up the mappers and get them off uh off guard and, and at the end of the at the end of the evening your characters need to either hole up somewhere and hope they don't get attacked or they're just lost forever because they're not making it back home because they've screwed up on their map right uh anywho this sword will keep you uh from getting lost in the dungeon because of shifting walls and rooms not bad all right next power maybe it's a dwarven an old dwarven sword or something okay 15 um note shifting walls and rooms again all right so hey i'm gonna put times two uh i'm just gonna now the question is is this this primary power does this is this a once per day thing and now that I've rolled this power twice, uh, you can do it twice per day down in the dungeon. Uh, that would be kind of, I guess, a that would be a conservative way of looking at the the sword's powers. Is uh, you have this power, you can use it once per day or once per adventure or dungeon delve or whatever. Uh, but since I rolled it twice, you can roll it uh, twice. You can use it twice per day. The more liberal thing would be note shifting walls and rooms anytime, all the time. And uh, I'm going to go with the conservative route on this. I don't know why. I'm not normally a conservative when it comes to playing OD&D. I like to, to give more rather than less. But I'm just going to say that since I rolled it twice, uh, you can use this power on the sword twice per day. So you may have to spend a little longer in the dungeon. But uh, that's just the way it is. Um, might spend the night if you went through three shifting wall room areas and it's screwing you up. Um, and you're backtracking and suddenly there's a wall where it shouldn't be. Uh, you know, uh, you can camp there for the night, I guess, and wait and, and then use the sword to see if you've somehow been teleported to another level or you screwed up on your mapping or if it's actually a shifting wall in a room. Hmm. All right, well. Okay, so this definitely, I'm getting the sense that this sword is a dwarf sword. Even though it does have a charm person ability, uh, uh, the dwarves, the ancient dwarves that had this sword would go underground, probably into uh, areas with tricky goblins, and they could use it to charm a goblin to help them escape uh, once they found the gold. And the sword would also help them escape uh, in case uh, in case they encountered a shifting wall and or a room or two in this case. All right, so the last power for this sword is a 65. Detect evil and or gold. Oh, now that's a good. This is definitely going to be a dwarf sword. Detect evil and or gold so <laughs> all right detect evil well if if chaos and evil uh were the same thing then if this were a lawful sword then probably then its user would probably be lawful possibly maybe not but the sword would definitely be interested in uh, if lay if, if law equated if law were good and and chaos were evil which is the sense that I get from reading this, even though it doesn't come right out and say it. Um, 
then detect evil would be important for lawful sword. But it says and or gold. <sighs> and or. What the heck does that mean? I mean, and or. And gold. Detect evil and gold. Detect evil or gold. I think it just, the way to interpret it is just the way it is. It can detect evil. It can detect gold. It can detect both. Which is perfect for a dwarf, especially if it's a lawful dwarf or a good dwarf. Uh, now, in my own campaign, I have a specific definition for evil. You can be lawful. You can be chaos. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're evil. All right. Um, however, the chaos creatures, generally speaking, will perform evil acts upon the more lawful types. And so, uh, without falling down into that into that mess of an, of a uh, of a discussion, which I'll have to save for a later podcast, uh, we're just going to say it can detect evil and it can detect gold or either one. So detect uh, evil, and the way I would use in the campaign is evil as in uh, there's a creature out there that has uh, the intent to harm the user of the sword or uh, the the sword itself uh, and destroy the sword uh, for no rational reasons, for no good reason, right? You know, torture. Someone wants to torture me. All right, well, that's a pretty evil act. You know, someone wants to waterboard me. Yeah, I'd say that's probably pretty evil, especially if it's a goblin. Uh, someone, some creature, if it's a wolf though, that wants to eat me, not evil. You know, I mean, the wolf is just out there hungry. Uh, if it's a dire wolf that has intelligence and it's been commanded by, uh, a charmed charm monster, uh, uh, it's, it's been commanded by a, a wizard through a charm monster spell to track me and kill me. I think that's probably evil. So in each case, what is evil? Uh, that's for the referee to decide. And so it's a case-by-case -case situation. Uh, and there we are. We've got the sword now uh, with its three powers. It's one language. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Ex extraordinary abilities. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. This sword, because I rolled an intelligence of 12, also has one extraordinary ability. All right, well, let's roll it. It's on the, it's a D100 roll. 92. It heals. All right, healing. Uh, and it either heals one point every six turns, which is every hour. One point every six turns or six points per day. Which could be interpreted as uh, a maximum of six points per day um, at any time. So one or the other, uh, uh, I will resolve that issue later. A simple percentage rule might help there. Um, I'll just reserve that is uh, that that decision for later. And the, the the question is is well does it do does it heal one point every hour or does it heal six points a day? Any you know i.e. six points all at one time, you know, and then that's it for the day. 
Well, that's a good question because every hour, uh, that's up to that. That's 24 points. So, uh, Hmm. I think it's probably going to be the choice of the player. You get the choice. You know, you can spend an, uh, you can get a point for this hour. And then if you survive the next hour in the dungeon, you get another point of healing from the sword uh, for as many hours as there are in a day. Or uh, let's say you're down to one hit point and you need six hit points back real fast. All right. If you do that, that's it. So I think that's that that's that's up to the uh, the player to decide. The sword will telepathically communicate communicate that to the player character that's that's wielding it. And the sword will decide, or I'm sorry, the character will ask and the sword will give, but the max, uh, you either get a, 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 you get the healing in little increments every hour or up to a full blast. Um, So uh, of six points in in one day. And so I think that's reasonable. All right. So now uh, let's see. All primary and extraordinary functions are passed on to the sword user. Rolling the same ability twice indicates it is twice normal strength, range, or accuracy. Okay. So when we go back to the note, shifting walls and rooms, that isn't a a twice normal strength, range, or accuracy. Hmm. Uh, There's no mechanism that I am aware of that tells me what the strength the normal strength range or accuracy of noting shifting walls and rooms is. And I'll have to, I'll have to either research that or create on the fly my own rule for that and note it down in my uh, referee manual. However, that power could fluctuate. The point is, is that it's twice normal strength. And if I make a ruling that the noting shifting walls and rooms you do once per day, Regardless of range or whatnot, uh, you, you can it can it can note shifting walls in rooms once per day. That would be the normal strength. Then twice that would be two times per day, and I, that would be a ruling that I would have to make, unless I were to throw down some ranges and accuracy percentages uh, for noting shifting walls in rooms. That's just the way it's going to have to be. All right, now for ego, the sword's ego. Only swords with intelligence of seven or more will have an egoism rating. Egoism ranges from one to 12. The higher the number, the greater the ego. And there are certain things that the sword will do with this ego. So let's see. I will roll an ego. I'll roll the D12 again. It's got an ego of four. Ego... Intelligence of 12 and an ego of 4. <clears throat> and uh, there are five possibilities where the ego of the sword comes into play. And here they are. If the sword sees a better weapon, uh, it will lead its user, it will attempt to lead its user past the better weapon. If a sword sees uh, a, a great danger that it can use for its own purpose to exalt its role in combat. It will lead its user to, to, to that great danger. Three, 
It might allow itself to be captured by the higher level, level creature or character, a higher level creature or character, which is closer to the sword station. Whatever that means. Four, it will surrender itself to a creature or character of a lower level to exercise greater control over its user. Those are two ways in which the sword can be lost without killing the character in great danger. Uh, and uh, if it uh, five, it will require a share of captured treasure to be given to it in the form of better scabbards, jewel encrustation, or magical magical devices to guard it when not in use. Okay, so this is the ego. This is the kind of thing that. This is the kind of the, this is the attribute of the sword that will uh, force its wielder to do things, or it uh, it will escape from its wielder. Okay, so three things there: one involving money, two involving I'm getting I'm, I'm going to leave this guy, uh, and two involving either getting the guy killed or. Uh, causing the wielder to ignore a better weapon. So, um, then, then on page 29 is a how, how this is determined, whether or not under those five situations, the sword will be successful. And, uh, I'm going to have to save this for the next, for the next episode. Uh, all right.